podcast heartbreak and hot pot how i lost 45 pounds in six months this is episode 15 and i thought i'd start off with a little aside something that uh, that i hadn't written before just kind of came into my mind i was thinking about my relationship with Lori and the years we spent together and some of the some of the odd things that occurred between us so this story kind of gives a little snapshot into her psyche we were watching a movie uh, called This Is Where I Leave You. It's a really good movie from 2014. It has a cast of millions in it. Um, it stars Jason Bateman, Tina Fey, Jane Fonda, Adam Driver, Corey Stoll, Rose Byrne, <laughs> Catherine Hahn. I mean, it just list goes on and on. Uh, it's really, really interesting movie about a family. Uh, Jane Fonda's husband, the father, passes away. We never meet him. He's he's a he's the the binding character, and they all get together. Even though they're not Jewish, uh, Jane Fonda's character decides that they are, and they're going to sit shiva. They're going to spend a week together under one roof to uh, you know honor him. And it's just one little story in that. Um, so Catherine Hahn's character is uh, married to Corey Stoll's character. Um, and she hasn't been able to get pregnant, she thinks, because of him. And so at one point, Jason Bateman walks down into his bedroom where he's staying in the, the basement, and she's in bed waiting for him. She wants him to impregnate her. <laughs> and I just said, well, that's not very realistic. And Lori got really upset. She said, you have no idea how long I tried to get pregnant. I wanted to have children. I couldn't get pregnant, you know, and, and she w was half crying. And she was mad at me for bringing up that comment. I was commenting on it because under one roof, they're, they're not going to do something like that. Everybody's, you know, upstairs. And that was, I thought it was just a silly plot line. But she didn't want to talk about it anymore. And so I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about, what would life be like for her kids? You know, because she, she just bounces around from thing to thing as what's important, what's not important. And I, you know, so I don't know. I don't know why I told that story. Just kind of gave a little snapshot into, into you know, her world and the things that were important to her and, and uh, you know, and how I wasn't. So back to the story. Um, where we left off, the court you know, had shut us down and we were trying to see if we could sell the salons to a buyer. We had pushed through an offer that had been accepted by, by Bremer Bank, the Small Business Administration. But Fantastic Sam's had come down hard on us to stop that sale. They didn't want those salons open unless they said Fantastic Sam's over the door. Uh, they had said that they were going to bring buyers and I had called BS on that, you know, they, because they kept bringing so-called buyers to me, saying they had them through the years I was in business, you know, when I was complaining so much. They, I, I, I met a couple people 
they were kicking the tires trying to learn the industry. They didn't want to buy a Fantastic Sam's. You know, the whole thing was going down the tubes. And I think that'd be evident to anybody that would read, you know, the the disclosures that have to be put out there regarding the number of salons that have been lost and the court cases that were going on. But as it turned out, there were actually two Fantastic Sam's franchisees who were interested in my salons. They probably wanted to get the stylists. I mean, that was number one. You know, we, we had a great group of stylists and I don't know what they were thinking if they felt that they were just automatically going to come with the locations, but they were interested. This is what I was told. My, my lawyer told me this. I didn't learn about this until after all the events had occurred, believe it or not. So without my knowledge, each presented the court with interest in buying our four salons. They, According to my lawyer, the, they both covered the, uh, the payroll gap that we had, to, we had to make, you know, which kept getting wider with each day as the expenses came in and, and hit the bank account. You know, I, I couldn't stop our regular expenses that, that were coming in. So Fantastic Sam's had moved the court to deny the sale uh, to our buyer from Chicago. And then they had these two operators who were local, who were considering buying us. It was great. At least if one of them bought, it would take me off the hook for the remaining five-year lease I had in Lakeville. That was the only one that I'd signed after the bankruptcy. So I was on the hook for that. You know, it, the, the, that lease was not rejected. So five years, <laughs> you know, it's a lot of money again. But after all the dust had settled and all the opportunities were lost, I learned what happened. Each of these owners had reached out on the side to our director, director of operations, Tammy. Each had discussed keeping the salons operational, had discussed their offers. She told both of them independently that none of the stylists would ever work for them that they wouldn't stay. She effectively killed any last hope we had of keeping these salons open for making payroll. What right did any of them have to circumvent me in these discussions? I felt completely isolated. I mean, these were my salons. This was my money. This was not her money. Had I been approached, I would have been, in, you know, built a communication plan to migrate our operation back into Fantastic Sam's shops. Each stylist would have time to make their own decision about continuing versus a blanket, no one will stay. What kind of nonsense is that? At least they would have been paid. Then they could have made their own decision about staying or going, you know, two weeks later. But both of these potential buyers just disappeared. My lawyer indicated that almost everyone had lost interest in the case. Bremer Bank was the only secured creditor, as I've said. They've even stopped responding to communication. They, they just were done. There was nothing left. The hope that these salons would continue any form was gone. Caput finito. From the moment I received the forced shutdown notice from the court on May 12th, my brain had moved back into its numb place. It was closing down from dwelling on the horror of the situation. I was just trying to make it through each day. Again, I slipped into this insane depression, just isolated, me and the dogs. Yeah. I, I used to have a plan for each day. I, I sketched out things that needed to be accomplished, wrote my list. No more. You know, when I was told that both the potential buyers had been informed there would be no employees, there would be no stylists to work these salons, 
I went even further into shutdown mode. I started drinking wine all day, literally. I would go to bed with a glass of wine on the nightstand next to me. I'd wake up around 4.30 a.m., take my first drink from last night's glass. You know, I'd read for a while because I just I couldn't sleep. You know, I'd read for a while until there was usable light outside, which is about 5 a.m. where we were. I'd take the dogs for a walk. We'd do the loop near our place. It covered about one and a half miles, and we'd finish. I'd feed them breakfast. I'd make my tea as if I wanted it. You know, I tried to get back to that morning routine, but it was gone. I had no reason to look at salon performance anymore or tweak how something was done or to move money from one bank account to another to make payroll. There were no more challenges short of the dispensation of all the remaining assets and trying to pay our people. The routine with the dogs did keep me alive. You know, I, I, I didn't have anyone relying on me when, when I was kicked out of my last life. This time I had two beautiful souls that needed me to be aware and doing good things. But I kept drinking through all of this, even though I was taking care of the dogs. I never seemed to really get drunk, but I did stay numb. You know, through this phase, which I think lasted about two weeks, nothing much got done. I went to the salons, you know, with the dogs by my side, trying to figure out what to do with all this stuff, all the product, all our color inventory, all our fixtures. I had no idea. I just stood there and stared. I had no plan. I had no idea. What would I do with all this stuff? How would I make payroll? I don't think I was in full self-pity mood. I was just too buzzed and confused to really handle anything. It all just hurt so bad. I couldn't believe it had all been stripped away from me. My Tuesday morning therapy sessions were just a small band-aid you know, to the bigger problem. I cried a lot. Catherine really knew how to allow me to expose the pain I was experiencing. I couldn't believe life had led me to this point. I really had tried to do the best for everyone around me, but the universe had other plans. Listen. I lost my beautiful son in 2015 in a horrific accident. I still have nightmares envisioning his last moments. I think about kissing his still, motionless forehead at the funeral home after they moved his body from Los Angeles to Newport Beach. I, I remember walking out the morning we were going to go up to the funeral home. I walked out into the cul-de-sac and my neighbor was playing across the street with his son. I walked out in a daze towards the car and he walked over towards me and he looked at me and he said, is it true? And I, I just started crying and he, he grabbed me and held me and his, his son stood and looked up at me and smiled, the sweet smile of a child and I just cried, and he held me and held me. <sighs> then my family fell apart soon after that. And I moved to San Diego on my own. No one around me for support. Pity me, I know. I'd even alienated my, my workmates who'd supported me. I was just so isolated. I, I, I just didn't want to be around anybody. I lost interest in, in doing good at work. That was a huge part of my life. I loved hard work. I knew I would always do, do great. I knew I'd always have a job. I don't anymore. I always believed in the positive power of the universe. Deepak Chopra stuff. You know, I, I believed in that, that, that 
if you gave love and positivity, it would be returned to you in droves. I'm proof that it's not true. I do have a lot of people who support me. You know, social media is great. You can reach out to people from your past and and they support you. You know, but they don't control the universe. <laughs> they they just tell you what to try to do with it. You know, if we'd had the universe on our side, the salons would still be operating and I would have a job. I'd have something. I'd have a little income. I've attempted to reach out soul to soul to several women and have been told repeatedly that I'm not the right material. <laughs> I just think I'm done again. It's just so much. I have nothing. There's nothing left. It's so hard to address this loss in therapy. You know, Catherine knew this. You know, all we could do is try to find solace in, in the other positives. You, know, you have to look for the positives. That's, that's the whole point. I was spiraling out of control. I kept drinking. She knew it. You know, I, I didn't tell her outright, but she knew that I was abusing my brain and my body. Then there was that morning. Thursday, May 25th, 2023, I got up with the dogs as usual. I'd been steadily drinking uh, wine now for about two weeks, ever since the court shut down on May 12th. We walked out of the house and took a left. Harbor immediately started his long pee. Then we proceeded, you know, continuing a left. One of our usual paths. Uh, we made, there's a long, slow uphill on the walk towards, you know, quarter of the way through. Half up, Halfway up the hill, I, I started sweating and my stomach turned. I started throwing up bile on the side of the road. Luckily, there was no one around. There were no witnesses. I was, I just retched. I was retching there on the side of the road for about 10 minutes, really. My body had just, just shut down. It was just done. I'd been drinking so steadily that my body was done. It was letting me know that I was at a turning point. Either stop this behavior or die. I kind of wanted to die. I think that's what I was doing, as, as you'd probably guess. But this was pretty painful, and my body was rejecting it. You know, I don't think I could have let another drop of wine cross my lips at that point, seriously. I mean, my body just wouldn't let me. I turned around. I was sweating like crazy. My clothes were getting soaked. I just, I'd never experienced this before. You know, through all my times living with alcohol, I'd never had my body just threatened to shut down. <laughs> this felt bizarre. It was crazy. But we made it home. I do what I always tend to do, you know, these physical ailment situations. I, I took an Epsom salt bath. <laughs> it calmed me down a lot, but I still had crazy want-to-end-it thoughts going on. But I could not physically take another drink. We walked a few more short walks that day. I had so little energy. It was so hard to do. I mean, I had to sit down quite a bit. But I did not take a drink again for quite a long time. The next day, we did the same thing. Woke up around 4 a.m. I read my latest book until the light made itself known. Then we started walking. There was no drinking. You know, my body, as I said, had said no more to that abuse. We went walking up that same hill. I made it to the same spot about, and I started vomiting again. There's nothing there because I hadn't eaten in the last 24 hours. It was just bile. How sad. This is how I was going to die. 
but it was also a relief. You know, maybe I'd finally achieved what I was aiming for, a way to finish this story. There, there might be a small part of each of us that looks for that, that out, the way to find an end to the relentless pain that life can throw your way. And that's where I was. This tunnel was horrific, and life offered little, if any, solace from the endless barrage. As I said uh, prior, one of my favorite comedians and social commentators is Dave Damaschek. His career intertwined with Adam Carolla's. They did a radio show together for years. They covered half of the former Howard Stern markets after he left for uh, satellite radio. Dave used to joke about the sweet release of death. I believed and believe in this. At some point, the pain will end and the peace will be found. I kept working to find peace in this life. I really wanted to find it. Life is beautiful. Love is beautiful. Just ask Jonathan Richmond. I want people to love me like I can love. I want people to love me like I love. I want to open up my lunchbox, find a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in there, just like when I was six years old and someone loved me. Oh, loved me, oh, loved me, like I love. Love me like I love, love me like I love. Well, when I was six years old, I never dreamed I would grow up to feel so lonely, to feel lonely. Oh, love me like I love. Love me like I love. I said, love me like I love. Well, now, when I was six years old, I'd never dreamed I would grow up to feel so isolated, to feel isolated. Love me like I love. I said, love me like I love. Love me like I love, yeah. Find a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in there, just like I was six years old and someone loved me. Oh my God, what a beautiful, beautiful line. I'm going to end episode 15 here. When we go into the next uh, episode, we're going to get into further what happened after the close of the business. You know, some of some of the things I, li- I, I started to do in my life, my semi-routines. I was sober now, which you'll be, I think, happy to hear, well, maybe. Um, but yeah, it, it gets even more interesting with the shutdown of the business and the things that I had to do to, to accomplish that. If you have any questions for me, want to write to me, uh, want to share your story, you can reach me at Kevin at hotpotforlife.com, H-O-T-P-O-T-F-O-R-L-I-F-E.com, and Kevin's K-E-V-I-N. I really appreciate spending time with you. I'm, you know, it helps me a lot to talk through this, and, and I hope I hope you're getting something out of it. I I thank you again. Share it with a friend, and and, uh, I'll talk to you real soon. Take care of yourself. Loneliness. Sobriety. Heartbreak. Where's the hot pot? Sobriety. Heartbreak. Heartbreak.